morning I want to talk about confidence, and specifically Mary's confidence, uh, Jesus' mother, um, and how we should emulate that. Uh, we all have people that we're confident in. Like you, when I say that, you probably have someone that comes to your mind, someone that you would go to if you have a problem, if you have an issue, uh, anything like that. You go to them, whether you vent or they give you advice, they tell you not to do something, something like that. Uh, for me, that's my parents. Um, all through school and college and even now, it's always been, they've been people I can go to to vent to if I have uh, problems with, uh, well, not work, because that kind of hard. That's when I go to mom. Um, but uh, I always have someone to talk to. Um, and I didn't always act like it, uh, but I knew that I could uh, go to them. Um, when I was little, like toddler, before I could swim, I, we used to go swimming in like hotel pools and things like that. And we would go to the pool and I would be wearing like my, that, 90s like unitard floaty thing that you like get into and it's already attached and so I'd wear that and I would stand on the edge of the pool and I would jump in after my dad counts to three I would jump in and he would catch me before I went underwater because I couldn't swim and that would be bad so the problem was I was little and I was excited and I wasn't all that smart but like I was always like excited like you know when toddlers get really excited and they just tense right up like they're just Ah! like they just like freak right out like it doesn't matter what it is it's like broccoli or whatever but they tense right up so I was excited and I wasn't all that smart like I was street smart but I wasn't book or I was book smart but I wasn't street smart like I knew my colors but I also chewed on the coffee table so it's kind of it's, it's a balance we, if we still had the table I could show you all around the, yeah it was, I don't know it felt good but um so here I was, I would stand on the edge of the, the pool, and my dad would count, he'd say one, two, and then I'd jump in, because I was like excited toddler, and so I'd jump in, go in the water, and all like, bleh, and like choking, and I trusted you, and all this whole thing, and it's not his fault, but here's dad trying to be a good father, and then me jumping in with reckless abandon, and just like getting on the water, and, and that was it. I had full confidence that he would catch me if I jumped in. Um, that wasn't the case. Uh, <laughs> it's not his fault. I jumped early. Should, should a second matter if he's right there? No, maybe not. I mean, did he let me fall in just to teach me a lesson? It is yet to be seen. But it's, I'll just I'll leave that. But uh, I want to look at Jesus' mother, Mary. Um, I was reading about Jesus' first miracle, and it struck me, how confident she was right from the get-go when he turns water into wine. Uh, in the story in John chapter 2, verses 1 to 11 says, The next day there was a wedding and celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him they have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My name is... But my time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each would hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, dip some out. now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. 
So the servants followed his instructions. When the master ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine, saves the best wine, serves the best wine first, sorry. He said, then when everyone had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine, but you have kept the best until now. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. So there are four stages. It happens really quick. But there are four stages Mary goes through in this exchange. The first is that she's confident in who Jesus is. She's very confident. They're, they're just attending this wedding. It doesn't say whether or not they have any real stake in the wedding, but she finds out that there's no more wine, and her default is to go to Jesus. Uh, she says, hey, they're out of wine. And Jesus responds with one of my favorite things. He just says, that's not a problem. That's, I'm just here for the wedding. That's, they can figure that out. Um, but Mary knows him. She knows how he loves to help people. She knows how he is because she spent a lot of time with him um, being his mother. She knows his nature and that he'll come through for her if she asks. And now we don't know exactly how much Mary knew about Jesus the Messiah, about how, what he was capable of. Um, we know that Mary was told that he was the Messiah and she would be very, uh, very familiar with the, the prophecies and the writings about him. So if she put two and two together, then she, would have, she probably would have known what he's capable of. Um, she could have just been asking him to like, get some guys and go get more wine, in which case, hey, bonus, you get like a free miracle. But I'm pretty sure she would have had a pretty good idea. The next thing, the next thing she does is she asks. She recognizes the issue, and she goes right to Jesus. Sometimes that can be the hardest part in the whole scheme where whether it's pride, whether it's wanting to do it by ourselves, not wanting to admit weakness, we stress ourselves out because we think, okay, well, if God's not going to give us more than we can handle, I should be able to handle this. Why can't I handle this? I, I don't understand. But that's not actually the case because God will give us more than we can handle. It's not, he's not going like, to give us little bits of time. He'll give us more than we can handle, but he's not going to give us more than he can handle. He's not going to give us more than he's able to, which is he can handle any amount. But sometimes we don't even ask. We, we get all, we feel like we're a burden for coming back time and time again. But God doesn't count how many times we come to him. He just wants us to come to him. We're meant to go to him, and he wants us to lean on him. First Peter 5, 6, and 7 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. It says all, not some. It says give him everything, not the parts that you feel like, well, maybe this is a little too much for me to handle. The Bible says that God's mercies are new every morning. He has new things to show you, new blessings, new lessons, but we can't experience them if we're bogged down with our old junk. It's like we have a cap where we have this much space and all this stuff from our day, from work, from school, family, stress, whatever, it all fills, up our, fills us up to the cap. And then we go to God and we say, hey, uh, I don't have a lot of space, but do what you can, bless me wherever you can, and then I'll deal with the rest of this stuff. 
But God's saying, no, give me all of that, and then I can fill you up new. I can give you all of this new stuff that I have for you. The old song says you bring times of refreshing, but we can't experience that until we empty ourselves to him. Or, uh, for those of you who have ventured to the, to the States and you like Krispy Kreme, um, it's like, has anybody ever had Krispy Kreme? It's like the best thing, right? It's, oh man, you just put away six or 12 in like eight minutes and don't even feel it. Um, but it's like you finish a big lunch and you're driving and you see the hot and ready sign and you're like, oh man, I need, I need some of this, this stuff. But you're so full and you think you have room for the blessing that is fresh, hot, glazed donuts, but you really don't, and you're only hurting yourself. You're just, ugh, it's, yeah, it's, I'm getting excited now. Um, in 1 Samuel, chapter 23, we see David being hunted by Saul. Um, at this point, David's in hiding, Saul's, uh, Saul's gotten real angry, and he's throwing his spears, which is like my favorite thing. He just throws spears at David. Um, but he's getting angry, and he's hunting Saul, uh, David, and he's got about 600 men with him, David does, that are at his side, that are following him. Which, to me, having 600 people with you makes it hard to hide from someone. Like, either David was really good at hiding, or Saul was really bad at seeking. Um, I don't know which, but... He's, so they're hiding, and David uh, finds out that the people of Keilah are kind of under some stress from the Philistines while they're in hiding, and he's like, he, so he goes to God and asks, hey, can I go help them? We have all these guys. Can we go help them relieve some of the pressure? And he's got some good experience with Philistines. So God says, yeah, go for it. And he goes to the men, and the men are like, well, I don't know. They, it's kind of, they're Philistines. They're still pretty intimidating. And so he goes back to God, and God says, go down to Keilah, I'll help you conquer the Philistines. So they go, and they have victory over the Philistines. So Saul hears that this is happening, and that David is there, and he's in this town. And in verse 7, Saul says, good, God has given him into our hand because he has trapped himself in a walled town. Now, the difference is, David was confident that God was with him, because he had just talked to him. He had just went to God. He just said, hey, can, should we do this? Can we do this? And God says, yes, I'm with you. Saul was basing his confidence on what used to happen, where David was basing his confidence on his con, uh, continuous growing relationship with God. Saul saw the patterns that he used to see when God was with him, and he just based it off of that and said, oh, God must be with me because these things happened before. But we know from 1 Samuel 16 that the Spirit of God had left Saul long before this. Our confidence in Jesus, our belief in him, what we profess, it has to be based on our daily experiences with him, even down to hourly experiences with him, going to him daily with whatever we have. If not, like Saul, we might be standing there professing to be backed up and supported by a God that's actually nowhere near us. The Bible says that in the last days, many will say, my Lord, my Lord, and Jesus will say he doesn't know them. The only way to solidify our confidence in Jesus is to go to him daily. And the next thing that Mary does is she trusts Jesus. Because Mary knows Jesus, she trusts him. You'd think that 
the asking and the trusting go hand in hand, but it, it doesn't always. A lot of times we ask Jesus for things, but we don't necessarily trust him fully to carry it out. But she's confident that he'll do what is right. And I think we need to show more confidence in Jesus because you probably know we're really good at believing in Jesus. We're really good at, yes, Jesus is the only way. Amen. He's great. He's awesome. But then you go out and your actions don't really, don't really match up. It's the balance of faith and works, as James says. Uh, it's great to say we believe in Jesus, but how are we showing it? The word confidence comes from the root confide. The essence is trust. If I confide in you, there's a conscious interaction. I have testimony of times that I've purposefully went to God and confided in Him, and it's not just a vague belief. It's we have proof in our own relationships. For example, I trust my car. Most of us do. Some of us shouldn't. Um, You see some of the cars in the parking lot. But I'm confident that my car will work when I go to drive for now. Um, I show that by actually getting in and driving it. If I wasn't confident in my car, I would say, oh, yeah, I mean, my car works. But then every time I go to do something, I've got to check things first. All right, I'm going to pull out of the driveway. Well, I'm going to got to check the oil. got to make sure this is right, whatever. Okay, I got you stop at a red light. I'm going to check my tire pressure, whatever. Like, if you really didn't think your car was going to work, you would be, like, if you weren't confident in your car, you would be checking it all the time. I think sometimes we profess confidence, but our actions don't match up. Like sometimes we spend so much time checking other things when God tells us to do something that I don't know if we actually, sometimes we miss our opportunity. Jesus says, go do this. And then rather than being like, okay, cool, and then go and do that, we check all these other things. We go, okay, I've got to pray about it first. Then I've got to make sure this is set up. And then, okay, I'm going to pray again just to make sure. And then, well, okay, let me just cover these bases. And then I'm going to pray about it again. And then I've got to come up with a backup plan just in case. Like, oh, well, I know God's calling me this way, but I'm also going to get my degree just in case it doesn't really work out. I'll just get some extra student loans. We come up with so many backup plans. Like, men, for those of you who are married, how much confidence would it instill if you're standing at the altar with your bride-to-be and she's saying her vows and she says, till death do us part. And if that's the case, I have Brad over here on deck, ready to go. Like... (laughs) That wouldn't instill a whole lot of confidence in the rest of your marriage. But we do that. And once we bring a situation to God, we show our confidence by leaving it with him, which is the last thing that Mary does. She leaves it with Jesus. Uh, Pastor Mike Miller from Nova Church in Halifax, he said this at camp uh, the other week. He said, we give what we have and he will do what he does. One thing that I noticed is that Mary doesn't even respond after she brings the problem to Jesus. Jesus says, well, that's not our problem. And she, she just kind of ignores what he says and then goes to the servants and just says, do, do whatever he says. And then presumably just walks away to enjoy the reception. But have you ever, I know I have, have you ever come to Jesus with suggestions? And you come along with, like, I know I do it all the time, Hey, Jesus, you know, the, the Jesus that has been here forever and raises the dead and is the Messiah and Savior of the whole world. Yeah, here's my problem. And I came up with this list that I'm going to give you that I like. There's just some things here. This is the problem here. And then I like, I like number eight. So 
If you want to do that, let me know which one you pick, and then I'll be, just be over here. Um, that it doesn't make sense. Like, Mary didn't suggest where to get more wine. She didn't say, well, there's a store down here, and there's, you can go down to, I don't know, Galilee liquor store and go get some more wine over here and all this stuff. She didn't say that. She just brought the issue to Jesus, and then she just, just walked away, trusting that he would do what's best for everyone. I think we need to stop wasting our time coming up with suggestions for God because how many know from experience Whatever he does is going to be infinitely better than anything we could think of. And time and time again, things happen in my life, or, and you probably have the same thing where you look back and you're like, I didn't even think of that because we don't see the big picture. And, but yet the next thing comes up and we go, okay, well, okay, well, if I do this, and then, okay, so you do this. You set this up. I'll work on this stuff over here. And then, but he's like, no, just back off, and then I'll do it, and you'll thank me later. At the end of the story, verse 11 says, This miraculous sign at Canaan, Galilee, was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. The confidence Mary had in Jesus resulted in Jesus' glory being revealed and people believing in him. Glory, in essence, it just means weight, it's substance. When we experience God's presence, God's anointing, there's weight and there's impact. It's not just a belief system. There's life change that happens. I pray that my life would result in Jesus' glory being revealed to those around me, that the way I am in the mall, with my family out in public, whatever would result in people being drawn to Jesus. Like I said, I was at youth camp last week, and I did a workshop on the end times with some of the students um, because I'm a Patterson, and we like the end times. And so... I did a workshop on the end times, and one of the things we focused on was the need to know what's happening in the world, the need to have an understanding of what's unfolding, because people are going to be confused. When stuff starts to happen, people are going to be wondering what's going on, and, and if we're walking around and we're just as afraid, just as confused as everyone else, no one's going to go to us, and we're supposed to be Christ's witnesses but no one's going to ask for help from someone that's just as confused and scared as they are. But if we have an understanding and if we're able to walk in confidence, knowing who Jesus is and knowing what's happening, even if it's just a basic understanding, people will see the difference. If you're walking with confidence and you just understand that the, the people will see you and there's a joy, there's a peace that transcends feeling that they can't understand and they're drawn to that, and we'll be able to help them and actually be the witnesses that Jesus intended. It's easy to talk about leaving things with God for good, but it takes discipline to put it into practice. And yet it's essential for us to be able to move forward. My solution is this. It's very basic, but it's stop, drop, and roll. So you see an issue, something comes up, whether it's big or small in your life, anything like that, and you stop, you recognize the issue, you see, okay, this is my problem, and then you drop it. You drop it on God, leave it, leave it with him, and then, you, and then you roll. You just move on, just leave. So you stop, God, I got an issue, you drop, here it is, and then you just like, all right, I'm going to leave it with you, I'm going to go over here and deal with something else. It doesn't do us any good to dwell on the past, as Isaiah 43:18 says. As soon as we bring something to God. It's in the past. 
And then verse 19 says, see, I am doing a new thing. But to experience that, we need to move on. If we want to be impactful in our community, if we want to show people Jesus, we have to show people a Jesus that they can be confident in. They're not going to want to serve a weak and frightened Jesus. They, they want to serve the Jesus that we really serve, which is one that is powerful and strong and one that we can have confidence in. Rather than being hesitant and cautious, we need to be ambitious and ready to go. So what Jesus are we portraying to the people around us? Is it a Jesus who heals, who redeems, who changes lives and is the only thing that you really need? Or is it a Jesus that sounds really good but has no real play in my everyday life? Mary knew the Jesus that she was going to and her confidence resulted in his glory being revealed and people believing in him. It's like, who's seen Moana? Good. Four people. Um, this section seen Moana. Um, you know... <laughs> No, uh, I'm a big Pixar fan, so I see pretty much any of the Pixar movies multiple times. I actually paid to see Cars 3 in the theaters, and I'm 24. Um, but actually, it's scene points. It's a little different. But one of the lines in Moana, uh, it says, we know the way, or we know who we are, we know where we are. And the idea is that they're voyagers. Their people are travelers, and they go from island to island, and they know their abilities because they know who they are, they have the ability, and they never get lost because they know how, what their abilities are and they know what to do. Um, and in the same way, when we understand who we are as sons and daughters of Christ, we don't float around, we don't float through life ambiguously. We walk in power and with confidence because we always have Jesus to look to to get our bearings. He's our North Star. Ben, you guys can come up. The people at the wedding experienced Jesus' glory that day. They felt the impact, the weight, the presence of God, but that all hinged on Mary's words, do whatever he says. Her confidence was the catalyst. They ran out of wine, they, they had run out of stuff, and because Mary brought it up to Jesus, they were able to refill and get more and be replenished and get the wine that they needed. So I'd ask, what have you run out of today? It's not a matter of falling away from God necessarily, but you feel empty. And we all go through stages and seasons. Something zap, might have zapped your confidence. Maybe it's finances, family, there's stress at work, or sickness, or anything like that. And maybe you've tried to handle it on your own. But God is calling you to confide in Him. Proverbs says that the Lord will be your confidence, but we have to let him. Mary saw the issue, and she went to Jesus, and we have to do the same. So as we stand, um, the band's going to play. I'm going to invite the ministry team. You guys come up. They'll be here if you need prayer, if, if you want to invite God's presence back into your life, if you want to be refilled and regain your confidence in Jesus. I'm going to pray, and then uh, you're dismissed if you want to go, but the altar will be open, and the team will come up, and they're here if you need anything. God, thank you for today, and thank you for the opportunity to gather here together. God, we thank you that you're a God 
that is powerful. You're a God that's strong and just and merciful, and you're a God that we can have confidence in. God, we thank you that you are our confidence, and we don't have to look anywhere else to find it, God. I pray that as we go through the week, God, you would show us examples of where you're working in our lives and bring people around us, God, to strengthen us and also give us opportunities to be the change for other people. Thank you again for who you are in your name. Amen.